In this week's episode of the Armchair Cineophiles, Cineophiles? Doug's still having problems pronouncing the name of his own show. Jeffrey and Doug talk about whether episode three of The Last of Us was a filler episode or not a filler episode. And if you hate filler in your paints, contact Courtney at Figuratively Speaking Minis for all your miniature painting needs. 20,000 followers can't be wrong. Welcome to the Armchair Cine Files, episode... Something. Nine? 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah, when we're recording this, I think we're only on episode seven. Number eight is in the can. We're going to be talking about the hottest thing in streaming right now. Uh, episode three of The Last of Us, which came out about a month ago from when we're recording it. So, of course, I'm getting, you know, untold grief from the people at work that I haven't watched it yet so that they can talk to me about it. Um, uh, this is the episode, this is the Bill and Frank story. Now, uh, Jeffrey, uh, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Having played the game, I have read one article about this episode that didn't give too many spoilers. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert. Don't listen to this podcast. If you're going to watch it, um, you have played the game. Did you get to this episode in the game? I don't remember any of this in the game. And okay. I'm starting to feel like I should maybe replay the game because I feel like I'm missing some stuff. So I have not played the game. The article I read from, I think it was Collider, uh, might have been somebody else. In the original uh, game, Last of Us, when it came out the first time, the story of Bill and Frank was much different. They were still a gay. Okay. They were still a gay couple. In fact, it's one of the first representations of a gay couple in video games, I believe. They took a lot of flack about okay. it for how they were portrayed, because Bill and Frank really didn't like one another, apparently. Okay. And, and when when Joel and Ellie come to meet them in the the Joel and Tess thing, it's it plays out uh, much differently. So apparently, Marzin and Druckmann uh, took that to heart and rewrote it and gave us a wonderful, wonderful love story in the midst of things. Um, hey, okay. That, uh, isn't that, that adds, adds some talking points there, that so, knowledge. So I, I want to listen to the podcast the two of them do to talk about, to hear what yeah. they had to say about it. Um, I will try and remember this week to put the link to the podcast we're talking about. I have not listened to their podcast about this specific episode. I, um, I'm trying to watch it as I'm just watching a TV show and I don't know about the video game per se. Right. So I, um, I have a bunch of questions for you, Jeffrey. All right. Hit me with them. So this is um, I'm trying to think of another series in recent memory in this genre or sci-fi or fantasy genre that takes an entire episode into a side story. Now, I, I'll get to talk about the themes later, but can you imagine Andor doing a whole episode like this? I can. I can because it's been done before. And and so as I was watching the episode, right, with with what you put in my head, which is this is being called greatest episode of TV ever, I don't agree with that, but I'll talk about that later as well. I'm more keep going what you're saying. So I had anticipation. I had high hopes. I had high expectations of this episode. Me too. And I feel like they were not met. And I like it. It felt like a filler episode, which is like totally 
what I did not expect in this series. At all. At all. Okay. Try this theory. This was an episode for the fans of the game to and, get to get a better to give them a better, you know, to to correct or whatever yep. the story of Bill and Frank for the players of the game. What do you think sure. about that idea? It it could be a a, a redo, uh, a do over. But if that's the case, I don't like it. You're sacrificing what you have, which is the ability to make a show. Um, to please and and take time away from the story to please, uh, I guess you could say I don't I don't know how many people were upset about it, but a vocal minority, right? This kind of goes, and this is what I wrote down just now: is do you please the fans, right? Oh. We've had this discussion before, right? If if there was a bunch of people who are like, we don't like how this happened in the video game, and they made a big huge noise about it, and there was hashtags and following events and blah blah blah. And then Naughty Dog comes out and releases The Last of Us Remastered, and they totally change that. Is that a road you want to go down, right? Is that is is that Zack Snyder's Justice League all over again, right? Is it? I ask you, Jeffrey. Is it? Well, it, and well, I've said like there was there was a ton of good that came out of Zack Snyder's Justice League movement. There was a ton of money money raised for uh suicide prevention which was amazing but in terms of of the fans kind of dictating like you're telling an artist how to be an artist right which i don't like and and the reason that movement came about was because there were suits telling an artist how to be an artist right so the studio was like hey you gotta make this movie different and then so you you don't have the artist's vision so now coming back to last of us in this episode if this is an attempt to please those fans, I don't think I like it. What if they decided that they agreed with the fans? Uh, yeah, yeah. I like it's 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 the reversed example of the suits. Right. Like it's there are no suits; they are the suits, and they're deciding to rewrite history. Right, and and they're allowed to do that, and it's it's within their creative control to do that. But in my opinion, opinion, what you end up with is, like I said, it felt like a filler episode. It felt like a means to an end, which was, okay, at some point we need Joel and Ellie to have a truck full of gear. So what's the best and most interesting way we can get them there? And then you have this episode. You have a beautiful love story. It's a well-written, well-acted, well-shot episode. It was, it, there was really good things about it. It was, it falls within the theme of the show, which I believe Druckmann and Mazin talked about in the first podcast episode. They're like, it's a story about love and what love makes you do. And so sure that, you know, the argument could be made. This is showcasing another aspect of that, but I feel it was at the expense of the story of Joel and Ellie. Like they were in the episode for eight seconds, eight seconds. <laughs> okay. Not that long, but you know what I mean? Right. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me run a few more ideas by you. Sure. I have a ton of thoughts about this and I really want to talk to someone. I can't wait to, I, you know, I may see if I can talk Josh and Amy or just Josh to coming on the show and just talking about the specific episode and what his thoughts are on. Cause he's, he has some in insights to it. So, um, and, 
having not played the game, I'd like to hear it from somebody who played the shit out of the game. Uh, swearing warning, sorry. Um, so uh, here's a bunch of things that ran through my head. What if the two gay characters were female? Would that have changed the episode for anybody? Great question. And that is something that I was thinking about. I had that thought um, in the middle of the episode. It was like, okay, so I understand there's going to be people pissed off about this um because it's a gay couple yeah um so then yeah if you if you have uh a lesbian couple in there does does that change their opinion or if it's a straight yeah. couple does that change it right and one of yeah, the that's things that's my next question would be what if it's a straight right, couple right i still think it would feel like a filler episode because of what you said at the beginning it's a whole episode dedicated to a side story yeah. And the other example, like you said, Andor, like if that happened in Andor, it would still feel like a, a filler episode. Okay. Because they, they're introduced and killed off in the same episode, right? They're not side characters. They don't come back. They're already dead. Right. They're not killed off. They're already yeah. dead. <laughs> right. And yeah, because the only way you're going to get them back is through a flashback. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, you might be able to inject them, but there again, it would feel forced. Okay, so okay. now I'm going to run the next thing by you that I had. So okay. f filler episode. Um, the next thing is this is um, I'm sort of struggling to find the right words for it. Um, this is essentially um, a linchpin episode that the plot pivots on for several reasons. And I've got a few things here. So first of all, what we see is the representation of a gay man. Who, who loves America, mm -hmm. but who is also a survivalist, not a prepper. Yep. Like Joel, Joel asks him, are you a prepper? He says, no, I'm a survivalist, um, which is interesting. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was a great thing to show that there will, like if in a dystopian future in the world, there are going to be people of, of all stripes and colors and of all types of, uh, you know, doomsdayers, preppers, um, you know, isolationists, uh, survivalists, all that sort of thing. Um, and they'll be, they'll come in all shapes and sizes and you won't be able to predict that. The second thing for me that I, that when I'm thinking about it is there are people that are going to survive a dystopian plague. It burns itself out, especially one that's focused on humans. It's going to run out. There will be people who have prepped well enough who will right. survive and what's going to happen to them. Um, the third thing that came to mind is I really wish I knew what both of them did before the plague. Like, what were their jobs? You know, how, out of how, curiosity or would it have added to the story? Well, how does he get that big, beautiful house, the beautiful <laughs> piano? Where does he learn? Like the pot that the pan that he's using is one of those high end copper uh, pots. And I think it's it might even be silver line. Like those are not a dollar ninety eight. It's a Beaujolais village. The wine is phenomenal. You know, um, amazing. Well, he, he, he ransacked the wine store. I understand that. But to know what wine to ransack, that's going to like you have to know what wine is going yeah. to keep. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rabbit is prepared. Um, I forget. It's dressed properly. You know, you he makes Frank makes a comment about pairing the wine with rabbit. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. And the vegetable, everything. Anyway, so I would have like, you know, now I'm curious about that. I'm not saying I need another episode that explores what. <laughs> no, Lord in heaven. No, um, we also. So I found all that interesting. Uh, the survivalist stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I. 
I really loved the way that he prepped and he knew where to go right away to turn on the gas to make sure he still had oh, yeah. it. I loved all yeah. that. The incongruity in the survivalists for me in the episode came on the night that the Raiders came that Joel predicted, which I thought was an interesting discussion between the two of them. Yep. A survivalist wouldn't stand in the middle of the street trying to shoot them down. Did are you with me on totally this? Totally agree. Oh, yeah. When he got shot and he took that bullet, I'm like, if he dies, this is the dumbest death ever. <laughs> like because he would have exactly like you points. said. Exactly. He'd be in the house. He'd be behind cover. He wouldn't be out in the middle of the street. Not after all of that. He'd have it, sniper it, points. He'd yeah. have a he'd have a flat jacket. Like totally. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. So it like, yeah, I was able to move past it because he didn't die. Yeah. And I also, at that point, the way he, the way um, they were treating the wound, I went, oh, maybe he was a surgeon or something. Um, So I really love the meeting between, uh, with the four of them having uh, lunch together. Yeah, that was awesome. I thought it was very fun. And I thought it was really great because now they also gave us the payoff to the codes as well. Yes. Yeah. In the background. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was, that was quite Good. And Joel knowing, like, Joel has some hit. They, they gave us an insight into Joel's character simply by the fact he recognized the fence isn't going to last. He knows. Yeah. Hump- so, he- yeah, that was one of the notes I put down was, like, he, he pays attention, right? He He's looking at this rusted wire, and he, he just, he logs that in the back of his head. And that yeah. could be from his training in the Army, right? It's like, you're yeah. you're looking at everything, you're just taking note of it. It may or may not be useful. Just, just kind of store that away. Exactly. So, um, I thought that was great um, with everything that that went on. The playing of the Linda Ronstadt tune was phenomenal by both of them. Yep. He was the one guy was just bad enough, but could still play. Yeah. And then the unbelievable performance. You know the simple, by Ron Swanson. Yeah, by Ron Swanson. Yeah, Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> like what a performance oh he was great he was great in the role he was yeah like i said earlier it was by both of them it was very well acted yeah the scene that showed i think some of the for me that was the highlight of the acting for that episode uh i guess there there's two primarily uh one is the strawberry patch mm-hmm. and how there's very little dialogue but there's so much emotion conveyed and it was it was wonderful. And then yeah. the one that hit the other end of the spectrum was uh, when it's near the end. And uh, Ron Swanson is sitting on the couch. <laughs> uh, Bill, if you have forgot his name. No, I just Ron Swanson. I think talking about it as Ron Swanson is really should. If you're listening to this, you're going to want to watch this episode. He just yeah. keeps somehow he keeps getting him, making himself smaller and smaller. The more they're talking um, about suicide. And, you know, tomorrow's going to be my last day. And he just gets like it, it. Interesting. Like if you watch that scene again, he just seems to be shriveling up. And at the same time, right, Frank, Frank's wheelchair, right? Yep. Is like taller and straighter. And we're going to go to that, you know, we're going to go to that damn boutique that you wouldn't let me fix up. And I'm going to we're going to pick out wedding clothes and I'm going to pick them out. You're going to wear gonna, what I tell you to wear. Yeah. But the two those two contrasts of where 
um, you know, <laughs> Bill gets small. He's just, it's crushing him. And you can physically yeah. see it occurred. And then you can see Frank is getting taller. The other thing they did in that scene, which I thought worked particularly well, was they shot um, uh, Frank uh, from a lower mm -hmm. angle. So he appeared taller in the wheelchair. You should go oh, back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go back. and Yeah, I think that was very, very clever. Um, and then that scene also accentuated, that scene also was my example for the the lighting and the color palette for the whole episode. I thought they did a great job with what the color tones were, like they didn't get in the way, the changes and things were subtle, like we get the blue walls later on that you, if you notice, gone from the plain walls that they were. They changed that one room, there's... Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I thought that was that was quite good. And uh, and I'm going to circle back now to why I think it's a linchpin episode. This is the episode that it explains um, the theme, the overall theme, which is, you know, love. Like The right. Last of Us is a story about love. And this is the scene that demonstrates it uh, the most, so, you know, moving moving forward uh, right. in, in all of it. And you, you see the... Scenes like this often get overlooked in other dystopian movies uh, because there's usually some romance that goes through the whole thing that's only culminates near the end of the movie. Here we have it that in the midst of all this, there is still love and uh, going on from there. Anyway, those are just some of my Do you remember thoughts. what Frank says when they're having the argument in the street and he wants to go spruce up the stores and stuff? He makes he, There's a line in there that kind of summarizes it and it's something along the lines of, um, oh, I gotta look it up now because it's like let me let me love you the way that I do or something like that. Yeah, the, you look it up. The other thing I'll I'll mention here is in that uh, scene on the street, um, you get the exasperation from Frank. There's nobody else who's going to see. Stop being so paranoid. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is interesting. And then he drops the, I've been talking to a lady on the radio and I'm going, okay, you're going to kill him now for sure. Like, <sighs> I've been talking to a lady on the radio. It's like, you know, crazy, but at least we have, have that idea. But that's, that speech was quite good, I thought, for there is nobody else here. There are no more, you know, infected around. Um, however, he's managed to surround the village, uh, wherever he is, in that gorgeous house. Yeah, that was the other thing. Like, he's got a stack of cars. Like, how'd you stack those cars up? Oh, how? Yeah. Like, well, the two of them. They show the tractor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. One of the, one of the things these evil buggers do is you get a, the wide shots and cutaway and sort of transition shots also, um, Andor did this as well, um, uh, give you excuses for other things that you may see. So there's a tractor there, so... The tractor's got a forklift and he's going to stack stuff up. Yep. The other the other thing that this stupid show did to me is now I have to research how to preserve a battery for 20 years. <laughs> and why do I need fantastic and sulfuric acid? I think I know I need sulfuric acid, but why do we need fantastic? Maybe it saves the plates. Maybe they so I don't know. I'm I have to look. Sulf I'm guess sulfuric acid or something. Well, sulfuric acid is used inside the battery to produce the charge because that's what splits it, I believe. But the fantastic, I believe, is used to soak the lead plates to protect them from oxidizing so that they can still be good. And then you right. assemble the plates in the battery and, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, from, 
the line I believe is paying attention to things. It's how we show love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I think ties in really well with what you had said about them painting the walls. Well, that happens out of that scene. He's going to take some paint and he's, he wants to, yeah. so, I mean, you have to take care of things and um, we see them take care of each other. You know, we, oh, what's this one? Frank says that he should love me the way I want you to. This is that's the line he uses at the end there when he's telling him about his last day. Yeah. So while, so I don't think it's a filler episode. I think it was. I think that with as with all things in Last of Us, it was done for many reasons. But I have to agree with you that the primary reason for it, and at least at least that's what I think you're saying, is it was done for fans of the video game who wanted the Bill and Frank Frank story yeah. done better. And because there weren't suits there dictating everything, they got to do it. Yeah, and, and maybe it did have to get approved by the suits, but I, I maybe uh, Druckmann and Mazin were like, we have an opportunity here to, to kind of alter things and do right by, you know, maybe like you said, they they saw, they agreed that there's a better way to do it and they wanted to to take that opportunity but i mean yeah like at the end of it it's you have five minutes of joel and ellie five minutes of the story of the the whole story arc of the show and it it felt like yeah from point a to point b point b being we need joel and ellie to have a truck full of gear see i think that episode three is going to hang in the back of everybody's mind subconsciously throughout the rest of the season one and it will be it will be a, a, a linchpin thing. You will you will remember the emotions and what you were feeling for that thing, and that will cause you to look at things in different light. It could serve that purpose, yeah. So that's fair. So that's 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 my thought. The other great thing I think that happened in this episode for me, other than wine and gr- rabbit and great cooking, was Ellie gets a gun at last. Gosh darn damn it! About freaking time. Not from Joel though. Not from Joel. Which is two two great things there, uh, attention to detail. One was, um, so Frank pulls that gun out of the drawer when they're getting raided. Yeah. And to me, I was like, if he fumbles with this weapon, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Because there's no way in hell that Bill didn't teach him how to use a gun. And force him to how to use a gun. Exactly. And all these years, he would have been like, listen, you need to know how to use a gun. And so I'm going to teach you. So the fact that he was, he pulled it out and he knew how to load it. He checked the bullets, all the rest of it. And it was nice and smooth and whatever that I was like, okay, good. It's a small little thing, but it's, it's like you in the truck, right? If, if they, if they end up needing a battery for a standard truck, a manual truck, then it's just, you're missing. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. And then he, and, and then we see Ellie find that gun in that same drawer. And it's like, oh, that's, that's nice. It wasn't some random place. There's like, there's a ton of thought that goes into continuity in that regard, which I really like because sometimes you're watching it and you're like, how did you miss this? How did you miss that, that this doesn't line up? And it feels like they took a lot of care into lining everything up and making sure that, you know, there's little details like that. I I agree completely. And um, that, yeah, it it was quite good that way. Um, The shopping trip to Home Depot uh was was well i don't know if it was home depot or whatever the store was i thought that was pretty great yeah um the others i mean they also did some self-indulgent things right i'm surprised you haven't brought this up yet if it's such a filler episode 
Like he's sitting there eating dinner and he stops because he gets the alarm goes off. He watches. Oh, yeah. Got, got shot. He starts laughing. <laughs> Never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that was great. Well, how can it be great if it's a filler episode? Because funny things can still happen in a filler episode. The filler episode isn't necessarily bad. It's just it doesn't forward the plot. But it did oh. forward the plot. It lays the background. I be Okay, so we'll see. You can put this in your log of predictions that okay. episode episode three will be the unconscious or subconscious uh, background. How on that earth are we going to evaluate that? You'll just have to you'll have to make a decision. OK, fair enough. I mean, I, I like I agree. There's not a quantifiable way to do it, but I will. Uh, I think that people who played the game will agree with me. I played the game, but obviously not recently. Or you play it like a zombie. Oh. Sorry, infected, um, which is um, fascinating. Um, the other thing I thought they did that I'm happy that they did is uh, Joel and Bill still don't like one another 20 years later. Yeah, the line in the in the in letter. letter was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like the fact that um, Ellie stole toilet paper. Well, it's still took toilet paper paper and the things. Now I'm going to take a bit of bit of a dark turn here. Okay. And I can't remember I think it's at the start of this episode when we see them go to the when they're in that gas station store looking for stuff. Is that the start yep. of this episode? Yep. So, Ellie's a bit of a sadist, hey? Yeah. Did you get that or am I reading too much into it or Oh, yeah. Um she takes the knife out. The guy, the, the infected's there. Oh, I can get you now. And comes over and, and like. I took it more as her being curious and then vengeful. I took it as her being cruel. Yeah? Yeah. You, I one just, could I, argue it was mercy to kill the guy who was infected and trapped there forever. I don't know. But I the, have look the, on, the look on her face says otherwise. With the look on her face, like it changes, like there's a whole transition series of thoughts that go on there. Yeah. Might be worth, you know, uh, watching again to to see what what's what as far as that goes. Yeah, maybe um, they touch on it in the, uh, the HBO podcast. Yeah, I just think it's, yeah, I think we saw, we learned something about Joel and we learned something about uh, Ellie. One uh, point of uh, character development that I liked with Joel was... Uh, at the beginning there, they're walking down the path and he's like, okay, we're going to cut through here. And Ellie's like, why? What's up there? Anything dangerous? Oh. And he's like, no. And he just like, it. he goes into father mode. Yeah. Like even though their relationship is, is what it is, right? They're button heads all the time. He still doesn't want this young girl who probably reminds him of his daughter, obviously. Has to, right? That he, he doesn't want her to see the horrors that have happened, right? And it's just like, Father mode kicks in, and I, I think thought that it, was really cool. I I thought it was. We get more information about um, what happened in the days after the outbreak. We also see that Ellie gets taught a hard lesson there. Yeah, about Fedra. Well, gets taught a hard lesson about listening to Joel. Like he just tried oh, to protect yeah. you. You didn't listen, yeah. and now you've got to live with the image of the bones of you know. Maybe yeah. not. Be, maybe don't be such a smart ass next time. Right, exactly. Which he enforces at the end of the episode where he's like, hey, this is where I'm going. You're obviously coming with me. Here's the rules. Rules are you listen to what I say. Yeah, except she doesn't actually repeat them back. 
No, she, and she doesn't listen to him. She steals the gun without telling him. She she wanders yeah. off. Yeah. She so getting herself into trouble, which is an odd thing for anybody to do in that world, in my opinion. But I mean, she's a fourteen year old. I don't think she's been really seriously hurt. No, no, and, she's been protected. Even and and like again, she's got this in, invincibility complex because she can't get infected. Like she needs to break, get her arm broken or something. <laughs> Or I don't know what, you know. Yeah. So, again, uh, again, I'm going to point out that her face is clean through the entire episode. I was looking at it this time, and I thought I saw some dirt on there, but maybe not. not. Maybe not compared. And the other interesting contrasting point to that is uh, Tess and Joel, when they go to meet uh, Bill and Frank the first time, mm-hmm. they're cleaned up. Joel's face for the first time, what? I think, in the, is... They probably took a shower. Well, yeah, hot water. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know yeah. what? Now that you've mentioned this about 15 times, maybe her face being clean is like an is just like an outward projection of her not being able to get infected. Right? I, it's just an artistic little thing that they did. I'm just wondering what the reasoning is. Yeah. Like, I, uh, yeah. So I'll try and stop pointing it out, but I doubt I'll be able to do it. Um, uh, yeah. so you were talking about, um, Ron Swanson and the way he was. <laughs> like yeah shriveling right like a great um yeah a great thing that an actor i think of his caliber would would just know to do and it made me think of the uh the last of us podcast the official podcast and um did you listen to episode two no i've got to put that onto my like this whole podcast that we're doing the armchair cineophiles on all streaming services uh soon to be on icloud i guess um is generating more and more homework for me because yeah. now I want to listen to this great podcast about it. So yeah. I may have to give up listening to the books that I listen to on my way to work every day to listen to the podcast because it's so good. Well, one of the things that they said was with uh, their actors, they didn't want the actors to play the game because they didn't want, they're like, if they play the game, the best they can do is a cheap imitation of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so... Um, one thing that they noted was in episode two, uh, when Tess gets bit and Joel says, show me, yeah, she takes, she takes a step forward and he flinches and takes a step back. Yeah. And I guess that was him. That was Pedro just acting like they didn't direct him to do that. That, that wasn't blocked or anything. It was just him being a great actor. Right. And they're like, if that was in the game and he saw it in the game, then he wouldn't have known to flinch. And like, it was just so reactionary and i think it's just another great example of how good the acting is in the show yes i agree i it's you know another it's another episode where with no suits around and no hard deadlines to meet you can um let actors act you can let creators create you can artists let artists be artists yeah except you're going to complain about the fact that it's a filler episode it's basically a shopping episode um and doesn't advance the plot at all (laughs) <laughs> okay i'll stop um yeah and so now um we're at the end of the episode they get the truck going sorry is there anything else you wanted to touch on in the episode itself not specifically i just had a note that the the intro is so cool man and every time i see it it's it's super cool and i'm picking up new things every time like there's a face did you notice like in the growth there's a face yeah let's not talk about it too much because <laughs> i don't need to yeah it's and I'm trying, like, I'm almost thinking that I have to go back and watch 
each of the openings to see if they're playing they us. They may be different. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's something that this show does so great, right? Like, you have to pay attention. Like, you were talking about the, the 80s music and the music code, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's in the background. That's Tess and Frank talking about that as they're talking about something else when the camera and the action is on Bill and Joel, right? Like they're in the forefront and it's their conversation and you kind of hear in the background, like you have to be paying attention to this show. You can't be like having it on on the background while you're scrolling your phone to really get everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, I'm really, uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm going to persevere and watch my way through it. Although I suspect I'm going to get, you know, go through the massive tension things again, coming forward. What we'll have do to you... pick a, a comedy for your, our next show to, to I don't reset think you. I don't think we're going to get a chance to, because by the time we finish this, I think we're going to have the first of the movies out that we need to watch. Yep. Well, I just saw Ant-Man. Okay, just stop Sunday. for a second. I want to I want to circle back to some of this other stuff and some James Gunn news at the end of the episode. But I'd like to finish off, if it's okay with you, with yep. they're in the truck and yep. now they're going to travel to Wyoming. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. If they're just outside of Boston and they're going to Wyoming. I don't know the states well enough. I have to pull up a map. Well, I'm just wondering how well, like, how are they going to do that? Are they just going to show up in Wyoming and, you know. I, I, how, many, how many tanks of gas do they need? A lot. Oh, but they had those big, like, they made a point of showing the big cans of gas filled. and it, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the other funny thing was him filling up with the high test, right? Not the regular yeah. fuel. Like, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I just have to watch the episodes and find out. I'm not going to speculate on that. Um, for those of you that are, were here for the... Uh, listening to the last of us part we're moving on to other things now jeff's going to give me his opinion of ant-man and i'm going to hopefully surprise um jeffrey with some james gunn news okay ant-man go buddy ant-man was as good as it needed to be oh um like it wasn't great um but it, i mean i'm gonna go see the next marvel movie in theaters like it's not it's not bad enough that I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. Even the CGI? Um, the, uh, the CGI, yeah. There's, okay. So I saw it with my brother and... Which one? Andrew. And okay. after the movie, he's like, did you ever watch uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Yeah, yeah. This Okay, that's exactly what they said. <laughs> yeah. And so he brings up the picture and I'm like, oh man, that's bad. That is bad. Shark, it, uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, though, was a great movie. Yeah, we may have to do an episode on it. <laughs> like, if you've never watched it, like, it was far better than the CGI. Anyway, continue. So, yeah, the CGI wasn't great. There was a lot of the dialogue, and I'm hoping, I mean, I'm assuming this is what James Gunn is talking about when it comes to having a script finished <laughs> before <laughs> production and not having multiple people write. It was probably half of the movie where there were conversations that went like this. How come you didn't tell us any of this? You haven't told us any of this. I didn't want to tell you any of this. I'll explain everything. End scene. I'd have lost my mind. Or half the movie. There was literally a whole scene between three characters where nothing got said. It's okay, like, Robert. You, you, could, you could scrap that whole scene. Cut it out. It would not affect the movie yeah. at all. George Martin wrote a series of books, and at the end of the fourth book, it ends with, meanwhile, back at the wall. What's your point? It's... It's 
useless dialogue. Like, like I said, the scene could be cut. And so now I'm sitting here and they're trying to create suspense about this villain. It's like, oh, he's so scary. I can't talk about him. I can't even say his name. Why did you show him in the freaking trailers that? Oh. Yeah, it's 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 unearned suspense. It's yeah. So there's that aspect of it. There was also like the main characters have some of the thickest plot armor I've ever seen. The so the villain is Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. What do and you mean by point, what do you mean by thickest plot armor? I don't. I know. Have you English... never heard that term? No. Okay. So plot armor is when a character survives because the writer says they survive. <laughs> right. So it's like in okay. the comic book, in the movie, there's no logical reason why they survive aside from the fact that they're the hero and they have to survive. Right. Okay. The plot requires them to survive. So that's their armor. You can't okay. hurt me. I got plot armor. I have to survive. I am exactly. invincible. I know the writer. So, so Kang the Conqueror, he's out there and he's blasting the shit out of everybody. Like people are getting completely eviscerated. No hope to, to survive. He's just energy beams out of his hands. They're gone. Ant-Man shows up, takes that hit right to the face. Doesn't face him. It's Ant-Man though. Yeah, yeah, but why? But why? He's there's, there's there's no explanation other than he's the hero and you can't hurt him. Doesn't his suit save him? If it does, it's never established. And these other Paul characters Paul Rudd's face is too beautiful to be destroyed. That's the only explanation. Okay. Well, there you go. There was uh some editing that I didn't love. It was like a thousand cuts in one scene like it was cut 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 and like it's two people having a conversation and so character one would start a sentence halfway through they cut to the other character and then cut back to the first character as they're finishing but then cut away before they finish and then cut back as second character is like starting to respond so it's heard like off screen and then cut to character two in the middle of responding like, I swear it was that bad. It was cut, cut, cut. And it makes you dizzy watching because you're like, why Why is this necessary? Can we not keep the camera focused on one character and let them finish a sentence? Like, they're not long sentences. It's just, how come you didn't tell us about this? Like, you, you have enough time <laughs> so, to... So, <laughs> is, it, is it the worst Marvel movie released? No. Is Thor no. worse? Thor Love and Thunder worse? Thor Love and Thunder might be worse. Well, I don't that's... know. That's a tough call. Okay, they're, so... Like, Homework. Watch Thor: Love and Thunder again. <laughs> no. What's What's worse than the latest Ant Man movie? Um, I think Thor: Dark World. Is, really? Yeah, it's not. Thor: Thor Dark Love World? and Thunder's Thor: Love and Thunder is not great. Also, I don't know. It's tough for me to quantify what which one's the worst because they're they're uh, kind quantify. of all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and there was other stuff like so they get shrunk down into the quantum realm, right? Yeah. And they're shrinking. I've seen the trailers. Yeah, and they're shrinking, and then um, they land on some something, tiny piece of dust, I guess. And and then Ant Man like grows, mm -hmm. but then he shrinks, and then um, like, do you care about spoilers for this movie? No, I don't. If you're okay. listening, spoiler so, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. So his daughter gets a suit, and she can like. Yeah, and strength, you get a suit right? but, and you get yeah. a suit and you get a suit and it's and, like and total so she Oprah. like she grows and he's big and he's like you're huge i'm like no you're both tiny you're in the quantum realm 
Like, why? It shouldn't take any effort to grow from microscopic to not so microscopic. Like, it's and and the physics are just out the window. Which I mean, yes, I guess there's you have to suspend suspend some disbelief. Belief? I don't know which one it is. Anyways, there was little things like that, and then the last thing was there was some super cool aliens. I don't know what else to call them, but they're aliens. They're like quantum realm people. And there was like so many of them and their designs were super cool and their CGI and their costumes were like well done. But I'm, yeah, what's the but? They cut away from them within half a second. It's like, here's a shot of this super cool like alien you've never seen. Really cool design. Oh, nope, don't get to appreciate that. Let's cut to something else. Oh, those, here's Bill Murray's face. Let's cut away from him. Cut away over here. Like it was just dizzying to watch which i don't i don't know whose fault that is editor director i don't know but, writer i mean director editor I'm, I'm not here to blame anybody or but it, the, the modok yeah modok was okay. something else so the line i heard was did we really need to see modok's butt no we didn't it was funny <laughs> oh so we do oh, see we... we do see modok's butt oh you see it yes okay yeah. but don't worry it cuts away real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. I'm not I'm not super uh, well versed in a lot of Marvel characters, so I don't know his origin or his his character very well. Yeah, um, his design when he had the mask down yeah. Yeah. looked to me to be quite accurate, but it's a mask. It's not. Whereas I'm pretty sure the character himself in the comics like is that. It looks like that. He's not wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, you want my James Gunn news? Yeah, hit me with it. Did you see what happened to Zack Snyder's Batman? Did you see what Gunn and Saffron did? No. Ben Affleck? So the Snyderverse got sold. No, it did not. Google it. I'll I'll sit here and you you look it up. I can't I gotta watch his face here. It's gonna be here we go. Careful. <sighs> Sigh. He's looking. He's reading. He's going to check his source. And the survey says, how bad is your Google foo? I mean, That's buddy. That's not great. <sighs> nothing, uh, nothing recent enough. I know people were asking for that, but. Well, maybe I'm wrong again. Just hang on. My typing skills are subpar. DC Studios C CEO James Gunn is speaking out about a recent fan campaign to sell the Snyderverse to unproduced DC and Snyderverse of unproduced DC films to Netflix. On sir Thursday, Gunn took to Twitter to react to the hashtag sell Snyderverse to Netflix hashtag, which is no, it says Gunn called the campaign the wackiest hashtag ever, confirming that Netflix has not expressed any interest in these films. Okay, so I'm full of crapola. Netflix hasn't expressed any interest. Yeah. Okay. Zach hasn't expressed any interest. Well, yeah, and Zach's happy what he's doing. Yeah, he's working on Rebel Moon, which looks super cool. What the hell is Rebel Moon? Don't know, but it looks cool. You don't know, but it looks cool. But the Ant-Man yeah. movie was not the worst Marvel Universe one. Oh, and man. The Last of Us Episode 3 was... Filler episode. Filler episode. But you know nothing about Killer Moon? What moon? 
Rebel Moon. Rebel looks like Mo- it's just you screenplay know. he co-wrote. So it's an, it's an original thing, looks like. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, you got anything else you want to touch on? Ne- or is next week episode four and five? Or just four? Yeah, we could do uh, episode four. Episode four? Next week? Sure. You've been sure. listening to the Armchair Cinephiles. In this week's episode, Jeff and Doug disagreed about the quality of episode three of The Last of Us. In future episodes, Doug will remind him how right he was while Jeff will correct Doug. Have a good week, everybody. Good talk. We'll see you out there.